um, we're talking on the, we're, we're doing a series right now, three parts on the title, let vision, let vision. And, uh, come on, would you say that with me today? Say let vision, let vision set the direction. That's the, that's, that's last week. We talked about how you need to have a vision in your life. If you're going to go somewhere, you need to have a roadmap or a GPS to locate somewhere. You have to know the way. And one of the things I asked in our, in our group meeting this morning, in our team rally this morning, we, we asked how many of you wrote some of your vision down this week or wrote something down that you're believing God for? How many of you wrote it down? And then only one person like slowly handed their hand up. And I went, you're all doomed to fail. And everybody's like, what? You can't say that. You don't have that kind of, that's negative. No, listen, I want to tell you right now, as a person who is a Red Seal carpenter, who built houses, in fact, was part of a team that built this church. Without a plan or a vision, you're not going to get there. You have to have an identifiable vision in your life. And I'll tell you, writing it down makes it work. It makes it happen. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you need a new job, start writing down a vision. Somebody said, well, is this like, you know, what what if I write down something like a car is God only concerned? Are you saying he's only concerned with our stuff? No, you might need a friend. You might need a job. You might need an education. You might need uh, the ability to understand scripture better. You might need, you might need whatever it is in your life. You have needs. Guess what? Your father in heaven is not offended by your journal and you're writing it out plain. There are things that I wrote down that I felt were part of where I believed I wanted to go in life and where I felt God was calling me to. And, and I was I had a list of things, I was a vision and asks from the Lord. And those things that usually start off as question mark, maybe I, maybe this, maybe that, maybe that, slowly become a clear, identifiable vision. And I'll tell you why. Because favor starts to land in my life in areas, and I now have to follow the favor of God. I could have three or four different things I'm talented to do, but not all of them are going to be equally anointed. And so the vision has to do with also what God's called you to do, that prophetic calling on your life or that thing that he has put his seal of approval on. But here's what writing it down, writing down the vision. Now, some of you say, I would like my in-laws to get saved. To you, that seems like so far out of whack because they're atheists. Some of you might say, I would like to, to see my kid get set free from substances, but you've walked this circle over and over again and you're losing hope. What is the vision that you have faith to write down? It's going to take faith. Do you have at least enough faith in God to write down a story where he wins? The vision for your life is not hang on until I die. The vision for your family should not be if only we just have this. I, I brought that up about rele- you know, deliverance and freedom from substances. Well, at least I got free from alcohol. I'm not going to bother him with my cigarettes. Can I tell you right now, there is no limit to what God can do. Zero limit. The only limit is what we believe. He actually said that. They said, what is our job to do? And he said, your job is to believe. So what do you have faith to write down today that seems crazy when you write it? 
What are you writing down today that seems wild when you write it? I've got several lists in my life, vision boards, things, dream boards, all those things, but then all of a sudden they become articulated vision. So we have some vision in our house. One is to start a school. You've heard me talk about it multiple times over multiple years. And all of a sudden I'm like, I feel that vision so strongly right now. And it's been, and, and, and some of the stuff that maybe for you who are here and new and all those things, we also believe that God speaks prophetically through people to, to encourage and to uh, confirm vision. I've had multiple words from the Lord that confirm now is the time to move forward. And I know it's weird to start with two or three people. Why wouldn't we start with 20? Why wouldn't we start with a better plan? I just, you have to understand, the vision is plain. Now I'm waiting for provision. I have to walk back that word we had last week, which was that I have a vision, the, the vision, I have to change it. Last week we said, how many of you could have vision, that, and this is a vision for this house, an articulated vision, that 1% of the catchment of the couch and valley would be attached to the family here. It doesn't mean that that's the number we have butts and seats on Sunday. It means that they would call this home. And I said, so if there's about 70,000 people in the valley, that would be 700 people. How many have, uh, who, can, who can walk this out with us and go and lean into the vision that we would see 1% of the couch and valley connected to the family of God at Oasis City? And there was hands all over the room. And then I decided to go up population of the couch and valley today, and I found out that it's closer to 90,000. So now we have to go from believing God for 700 people to believing God for 900 people. And by the time we get there, it might be a thousand. And that's not attendance. That's people who call this their home and who are being discipled and raised up and connected to the body. Families being transformed, lives being transformed, ministers being raised up, businesses being blessed, all of these things out of this house. Is there anyone here that says, that's a vision that we can measure? 1% of the couch and valley calling this their home and moving forward as the army of God. Come on, somebody in this place, say, that's what vision does. We had a word that the Lord was going to release upper room ministry in our house. Not, not the brand, not the franchise out of Texas, but that we were going to be like that in this house. There's something special on the worship in this house. We have to contend for it every day. But the spontaneous songs, Lily sent me a song seed. She said, I can't get this song seed out of my mind. Just play it right now. I lay down on the altar. She sent me this by text, a clip from a few weeks ago. Would you set me on fire? Just close your eyes. I lay down on your altar. You are all that I need. Just let it soak in right now. I lay down on the You set me on fire. I lay down on You are all that I need. So she sends me this text. Said, "Do you remember this song seed? Did you know there's probably hundreds of those right now recorded that were song seeds that God birthed in here? So we know there's a prophetic, spontaneous worship ministry that's rising in this house, like water rising." That's why we're really careful not to dilute much of what we're doing. We stay pretty tight with who does what right now because we, we believe the team is growing. We believe there's more musicians being added. We believe those things, but we do believe that right now it's, it's important to protect the flow of God in those kind of songs that are coming. That's a special song. 
that's your song. That's a song of this house. So when I phoned Malachi, Sammy had said, God's going to give you the upper room and all the recording equipment and all the things that you need are going to be paid for. It's all done. Don't worry about it. The production of that record, everything you need is already paid for. It's done. I see it paid for. So I called Malachi and I said, Malachi, God's going to give us the upper room. And, and, and he goes, it's a twofer. And I said, why? Why is it a twofer? He said, because that what, what was a flat roof with, with a potential was an upper room. We call that the upper room, but we hadn't built it yet, but we had it envisioned. And, and so a week before everything opened up from COVID, we came into this place with 70 of our leaders. And I said, we didn't even know if anyone was coming back. We, we knew we had been strong on, you know, worked harder than ever online, all those things. But we, when we went uh, into that meeting, how many were at that meeting with 70 people in it? Do you remember that? That first service, we were getting ready to come back. There's lots of hands in here. And we, there's, so we decided the way to lean into a season where you don't know where you're going is to start declaring vision. Can I tell you right now that if you're facing something you don't understand or you don't know how it's going to go, you need to get a vision. And so we start declaring vision. God's spoken this. We're believing for that. And then here we are, a cobbled together group that had been bombed by, by shutdowns and all of the things. And our response to the hurt and our response to the frustration, our response to the tiredness, our response to that was to declare vision and said, and we need to believe God for that building up there to be finished. So we get that upper room opened. And at the end of the service, two people came up and said, you build it, we'll pay for it. And it was paid for cash and it's finished now. That was a vision that was released prophetically to us. We released it to the body of Christ. And then the body of Christ mobilized to pay for it and get it done. And now that room's filled almost every day with ministry going on in it. So we switch it, switch it, switch it all the time. There's going to be, by the way, step two of the growth track is happening up there today after service. Lunch is provided. God's good. Come on. God is so good. So you're telling me, I need a this, I need a that, I need a this, I need a spouse, I need more money, I need a place to live, I need a job, I need a business, I need all these things. And some of you are like, when I get closure, when I get free, when I get my anxiety under control, when I get this happening, when my kids grow up, when this, when that, when that, when I pay off my mortgage, when I do this, when I do that, how many have heard that language flying around in the culture? We're saying, we need a provision. No, listen, stop saying what you need and start saying, God, show me who I am, what you've called me to where you're sending me. Lord, you're, let, give me the vision that'll set the direction because guess what you need? You don't need provision first. You need vision first. Vision unlocks provision. Without vision, the people cast off restraint. They fumble all over themselves. And so today, I just want to encourage you if you're in this place and you have a need in your life, ask the Lord for a vision of what he's doing. Ask him to show you what he's doing, where he's leading, what he's showing. I want to read to you, first of all, start with faith to write it down. Habakkuk 2 and verse 2 and 3 says, And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he who runs may read it. Some uh, paraphrase say that you can read it on the run. Have you ever tried reading your phone while you run? I try texting while I run. I try writing sermons down while I run. It's ugly. <laughs> For still the vision awaits an appointed time and it hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. I'm excited to let you know that I've been holding on to this word since 
May. And I really felt like in some ways the Lord was restraining. The timing wasn't right. The timing wasn't right. The timing wasn't right. But today I get to preach it. It was a word I received when I was at a pastor's conference. I actually doodled the word. I wrote it all up. I drew all the pictures. I had things flowing in and out of things. And I started dreaming. And the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 1, I'm reading from the New Living. It says, one day the widow of a member of the group of the prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons away as slaves. Just a side note, you can be anointed and bad with money. Elisha says, what can I do to help you? And then he says these key things. He says, Elisha asked, tell me, what do you have in the house? She says, nothing at all, except. How many of you know when people say, I love you, but? That was a good sermon, Pastor, but. I'm all in, but. How many, my, my mom used to say, Brandon, stop using that but word in there because but nullifies the previous statement. I'm all in, but I'm not all in. <laughs> she says, I have nothing in my house, but. Nothing in my house except for a flask of olive oil. Isn't it funny how what we see as a problem, God sees as a possibility. And Elisha says, that's all he says. She says that I have a flask of olive oil. And verse 3 says, and Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside until it is filled. So she did, as she was told. Her sons kept bringing her jars to fill, and she filled one after the other. Soon, every jar was full to the brim. She said, bring me another jar, boys. There aren't any more, Mom. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told, verse 7, the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons live off of what was left over. May the Lord add his anointing to my lips, add his anointing to your ears, and cause his word to come alive today in a way that it never has. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, can I get a better amen this morning? Come on. Listen, here's what we do know. We do know that it's weird to go asking your neighbors for mason jars when there's no crops. I'm going to do a canning party, but nobody has any food. It's weird to look at this. It's weird, to, it's weird to think that in this concept, she was going to look crazy, but God was up to something. Can you imagine getting knocked on? Can I borrow your Tupperware? She's like, we know nobody has any. Like, what do you want it for? Are you going to sell it? Are you going to steal it? No, I need, I need everything I can get. Borrow from you. A woman married to a prophet who served and was under the leadership of Elisha says, I'm in debt. Creditors are coming. I'm in trouble. And I have no way to pay, and they're going to take my sons in exchange. Have you ever felt hopeless?
Have you ever been facing a situation that in the natural seemed hopeless? You see, we get people in church, maybe you're here today. You've run out of options, so you've decided to go back to church. Last resort. But there's hopelessness. I like her flex. Listen, my husband worked hard for you, and he believed that you were a prophet from God, and he did. He honored God. So because of that, will you honor me? I want to let you know something. God is not connecting your years of service to his ability to bless you today. Jesus unlocked freedom and blessing for every person, no matter where they came from, whether they were in the ministry or on the street. I've got good news for you today. You don't need to flex when you come. You don't need to say, this is where I come from, this is what I've done. Your developed prayer life is not the key to his supply. Your uh, hours of service to the poor is not the key to the supply. Your understanding of high theological concepts is not the key to his supply. Your believing that he is good is the key Is there anybody in here that has had the Lord answer a prayer that you didn't feel you deserved? Come on, all over this room. Come on, say, God is good. <laughs> Amen. We read in this thing, we're going to pull four things out really quickly, and then I'm going to pray for you, because I believe today's a day of breakthrough. But before we do, I want to give you that word the Lord gave me. He said, Brandon. He didn't say it like audibly. Nobody in the room heard it, but it was an impression on my heart. So I've got to be careful how I say that. I had this strong impression that the key to the next season of this house was vision. It wasn't provision. We need provision. There's so much that we're being limited by because we need, we need finances to be able to do those things. But rather than praying and saying, God... Provide, 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 provide. He showed me the key for our house. And I believe it's a key for your house. There's a, some leadership training out there that says you've got to be careful as a pastor how much vision you project into your group because they could drown in it. Oh, here we go again. We're starting a school. Here we go again. We're doing kids club opening. Here we go again. Bouncy houses. Here we go again. Tra sending to the nations. Here we go again. Helping in Pakistan. Here we go again. Helping in Turkey. Here we go again. Making worship recordings. Here we go again. And this vision. And they said, if you have too much vision, now he's made it not 700. He's saying 900,000 people. Here's what I want you to know. There is a thought out there that you've got to be careful how much vision you project and how much you have because people will drown in too much vision. And the Lord said it's actually the opposite. Your provision is limited by the amount of vision you have. And he said your job is to collect vessels. Your job is to borrow, I was going to say steal, borrow from the name. Borrow from the community. Borrow from the... Your job is to collect and curate capacity. And my job is to fill. 
So I started writing down things that I had to dream for this house. School of ministry, kids and youth ministry, impact in the city, international connections, encouraging churches around the world, repatriating burned out ministries and bringing them in and raising them up and sending them back into the fight. People have left ministers, leaders that have walked away from leadership. All vision. It gets really wild because as I've been creating that, the Lord's been giving me a vision for multiple properties around the valley. Vision. And he says, I want you to write the vision, make it plain. But here's the key. In my mind, I know what vision I want him to fill first. Lord, we need an increase in finances so we can hire a few more staff to take some of the load and to, and to multiply. How many of you in business know the right team can grow something? I, I think we need to have this and this first and this first. We, in our mind, as we're writing our home or our family vision, have an idea of what's most important. But he said, here's the key. You collect how many vessels. You, design the, you, you write down the vision for the house. You write down the vision for Oasis City. But I get to choose which one I fill first. Not you. And you know, there's a lot of people in this room, me included, who have a list of things you're trusting God for, a belief that God's called you, has set a vision for your house, for your family, for your ministry, for your leadership, for your business, for your marriage. But inside, you have this idea of which one he's to fill first. Fill this one, then I will see that one. And do you know what's happened in our life? Almost always. It doesn't go in sequential order. It's randomized. And so I want to let you know today that we are working really hard to write the vision, make it plain, so that as a family of God here at Oasis City, we can run with it. We have aligning values, but we need clear vision. And a vision-driven church is made up of vision-driven people. Vision-driven children, vision-driven teenagers, vision-driven families, vision-driven marriages, vision-driven missions teams, vision-driven worship teams, vision-driven professionals and business people, vision-driven. But I'm not talking about pie in the sky making something up on your own. I'm saying ask the Father to reveal to you pictures of what he's called you and yours to do because you need a revelation not just an idea we need to have the revealed heart of God for our lives not just a good plan somebody in this place that's been holding on to a good plan but it wasn't God's plan let go today God's plan. It would make sense that this woman goes, I have nothing. But did you know what happened? When the anointing of God and the prophet walked into that room, she went from a negative attitude to a possibility mindset. I have nothing except for a flask of oil. Have you ever been in a situation where you're praying and you're asking God the minute you get serious and say, Lord, you've got to solve this thing. And then boom, 
How many of you have had the light bulb moment with the Holy Spirit when all of a sudden you're praying for something and all of a sudden the light goes on and you go, oh, I did have that answer. But it took going to him for help to unlock the vision. Amen. Amen. It took going to him for help to unlock the vision. Number one, everybody say open. We're going to open our hearts to let vision. We want to let vision help us to see what God can use in our life as seed. She saw need, God saw seed. Did you know there's things in your life right now that you're looking at going, if I only had more, he's going, you just had, you've got everything you need right there in that flask of oil in your world. Amen? We want to open our hearts. Ephesians chapter 1 says this. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be opened. Can we get that slide? Maybe enlightened. Did you know your heart has eyes? You know, one of the things about walking with God's vision is that we stop looking with these eyes and we start looking with our heart eyes. Come on. Lord, speak to my heart. That the eyes of your heart may be open so that you would know that which is the hope to which he has called you. That sounds like vision. The hope to which he's called you. The vision he's given you. The plan for your life. And that you would know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You're doing a good job, Mama. Vision helps open our heart to see the strategy of God. Somebody say strategy. Come on. Vision helps you to see your limited resource as God's answer in seed form. Vision is not what you see with your eyes open. It's what you see when your eyes are You see, I've gone through some dark times as a leader. But there's never been a time where I did not have vision. Mm. That's deep, Pastor. It's what you see when your eyes are closed. There seems to be this bad behavior happening in the charismatic movement that says that we'll just trust the Holy Spirit and wing it. We traveled in ministry and we would go to some denominational churches that don't really flow in the gifts or the spirit or those things. They don't really have the power, but they planned like awesome stuff. So we'd go play concerts when we were on the road doing youth events and stuff. And we loved going there because they were super planned, but they weren't very powerful. And then we'd go other places where they flowed like crazy and we didn't know what we were having for dinner. We just, there was no plan. I said it was almost like those youth pastors were always praying for a ninth inning home run to win the day. Lord, you got to show up because we didn't plan anything. We were lazy. We played Xbox for three days trusting you would do everything you can do, Lord, and we would do everything we could do. We had no plan. I want to tell you right now that this house, though we flow in the charisms of God, that special anointing on us, we believe that. Though we flow in the Spirit, we believe that we need everything we need is found in the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. We also want to plan like those organizations that plan. And when you put the two together, come on now, somebody get in and get excited. When you put those things, we do everything we can do and then trust for God to do everything he can do. We want to open our eyes of our heart. Open the eyes of our heart. Vision is what you see with the eyes of your heart. Number two, create capacity. 
I tossed with create and curate. Curate capacity. Create capacity. Lately, this whole week, this has been what I've been telling people. I'm trying to navigate what God's called me to do and where the favor is on my life as a leader and as a person, as a creative and all those things. But I, every time I think about what I want to do in my life, I have this issue that I, I see myself sitting in the schoolyard back in the day when hockey cards were a big deal, and I'm trading hockey cards with my friend. And I'm like, I want your Wayne Gretzky rookie. And he said, it's going to cost you all your cards. I'll, take, I'll, I'll trade you this one for 10 of yours. And see, as, as you get to the place in your life where you're becoming more and more streamlined, where you're not chasing five rabbits, you're chasing one, it's going to demand that you trade many things for one thing. The idea of sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love even more. And so for me to know that if I'm going to end up writing the songs God's put on my heart, it's going to mean that I have to, in a careful way, mechanize the schedule and the people around me so that they can take some of those cards and release me to have this one. And then we benefit from songs written in the house. If, I'm going to, if we're going to have a leadership training school, it means I'm going to have to drop something else. Can I ask you, let you know something right now? That part of the multiplicity of visionary bowls and vessels that we have in this house, it's not designed for me to do all of it. It's designed for we to do all of it. Come on, somebody. We can do it. I can't do it. I can do a couple things. I can fire up the army of God, fire the people up. But you've got to do the things that God's... And by the way, there are things God's telling Pastor Lindsay and I that are for you to do. Now we would land back in Canada again, and we've got a whole bunch of people saying, we don't do what people tell us to do. We don't... That's not the way. Listen, we are not... The, the kingdom of God is not designed like the kingdom of Canada. If you come to Bible college, we'll teach you all about this. You'll understand theocratic government eventually. The responsibility is structured differently. Where God calls and puts a vision in a house, and I want to raise my family in a house that's so full of vision that we can hardly keep up. That's what I want. I want to be a part of a house that is so full of vision. How many of you have done church where there's no vision and it's just it's time? I don't want to live that way. This house has vision. And we're hoping that that will actually spill over into your world and then you'll get your own thing going. But that's not at the expense of your house. Open your eyes. Create capacity. What are you willing to borrow from? Vision needs a vessel. Are you that vessel? Vision directs us to prepare room to receive what God has given to us. Vision creates capacity. Vision creates capacity. Vision will always stretch us. If it's not stretching you, it's not a vision from God. If it's making you do less, or believe less, or trust less. When God calls me to do things, it often stretches me to a place where I don't even know if I can do it without his help. Amen. Vision releases the faith that continues to create and curate while we wait. Somebody say, while we wait. Can you create while you wait? Yeah, you can. You can get a little more detail on that vision. I had a list of the woman I would marry one day written in the back of my Bible. My New King James Version Bible had a list of things in there. And I was, before I even knew it, I was describing Pastor Lindsay. 
Some of you are concerned, should I date him or not? He's not really on fire for Jesus. You need a vision! What should I do, pastor? This is literally what I will say. Run! A vision! It's not just about monetary things. This is actually something we need to think about, though, that he is concerned with the things in your life. I started looking for a new car, believing, believing that one day I will have one. I have the money to go out and clunk. All of a sudden, it'll be like in debt. I could do that. I got a great credit rating. I, I can do all those things. But here's the thing. I know what I want. And, and there's been a few times where I've literally, I went and looked at one this week just to do as a fixer-upper, and maybe it'll, just, it'll hold me over the winter. And I went there, and the thing was hail damaged from end to end, but it didn't show it in the ad. The ad looked great. And, and it had some issues that I thought I could fix with the transmission. I was going to take it on. I'm going, what am I doing? I'm a pastor of a church. I'm busy. I've got 9 million things on my vision dream thing. I got a, we got, we've got vision for the church. We've got vision for the wall family. What am I doing? Go look for a more newer Camry, Brandon. Stop looking at Fords. If you're a Ford guy like Jeff, you're okay. You'll make it through. Good cars. I actually will say the one I really like is the Escape. I rent that a lot when we travel, and it's a nice ride. That's a nice vehicle. So way to go. All those people feel, we're anointed, honey. We got an Escape. We got, maybe because I feel that's what happens. I get off that plane in Hawaii and jump in an Escape. And it's like, I'm away from all the work. I'm just going to go. I got a vision for Hawaii ministries this week. Anyway, open your heart. Open your eyes. See that what God... What your lack is actually part of that seed thing that God's doing. Uh, create capacity while you wait. That's a huge one. That's a really huge thing. That while you wait, there's a lot of people waiting for an answer, but they're not creating while they wait. Vision understands that while we create room for God to move, the oil will be poured out in proportion to the room that we make. Can you imagine when the, when the woman, you know, she, she, boys, bring me another vessel. And they're like, mom, we're all out. Can you imagine if she's like, I should have knocked on her door, asked her for her. I knew she had a big one there. She had a big Tupper. She, I know she has ice cream pails under her sink. I know she's got them. And I'll tell you, there's been times in my life where we have come to a place in supply, provision, and vision in this house where I just wished I would have gone and created or curated a little more capacity because what caused the flow to stop of blessing was not God saying you've had enough. It was that we hadn't stretched out enough to create the room for him to move. Create while you wait. Here's the thing. When we make room, the vessels we collect are literally like borrowing from other areas of our life. See, you can't get around Lindsay and I to try to create the space. We can give you some coaching and stuff like that. But you're probably right now at a stage where if you want to make room for God to move, it might mean changing some of the nine subscriptions you have to Netflix, Prime, Disney. Because it's hard to create while you wait when you're mesmerized. And I'm not against watching TV. I'm not against that stuff. Don't, don't read that into it. But I have noticed that there's been times in my, times in my life where I've spent... Uh, I went to spend five minutes on reels and ended up realizing it was 55 or an hour and 55 or two hours and 55 minutes. Our pastor looked at reels for that long. You have two. <laughs> TikTok, whatever else. At least I'm preaching about it. Saying, hey, 
And I remember, the, you know what I did when I did that? I, I was late for, I, we were exhausted. We were working seven days a week. We were doing all these things that were causing us. And I was like, I just spent five minutes to just find something funny. And I have all these preachers I watch and these running reels. I love training the algorithm. How many of you know you train your, you train your dragon? You train the algorithm? You train the, you train it? And so I've got mine trained to like show me all these runners and all these uh, things for sciatic pain and all these things for, uh, <laughs> All running things, by the way, all runners things. All these things, all these preachers, I love their clips, and I subscribe to them, and I have this thing, and it starts feeding, and all of a sudden, I look down, and I was like, oh, no, it's been an hour. So guess what I did when I walked into the office? I would have been here earlier, but I was watching videos online. See, when you come to my house, you're not getting a different Brandon. Right, Lily? Same guy here is in the office, right? Anybody who's been hanging out at our house knows. Same guy. So while I'm waiting, I'm either creating space for God to move or I'm plugging up space for him to move. And I'll tell you right now, if you want to stop the flow of momentum and vision next year, next week we're talking about let vision create the momentum. You want to know a momentum killer? Comparison. So I, my alarm clock wakes up and it says, good morning, Holy Spirit. That's what my alarm says when it wakes me up. I look down and it says, good morning, Holy Spirit. And then my first temptation is to find out what all my friends' church services are looking like on Monday morning. I want to see everybody's church. And what I didn't realize was it was just, a, for me, it was a, a major problem because I was comparing their best stuff with what I had just experienced in our church. And you know, pastors can fall into the comparison trap. And guess what happens when pastors do that and leaders do that and ministries do that? Is we get ourselves into a position where all of a sudden we're trying to emulate something else rather than have a vision for what God's called us to do and to set us on our own path, in our lane, and to do something great. doesn't mean we can't admire what other people are doing, what other people are wearing, what other people are preaching, all those kinds of things. But I do not want to be an echo of them. I want to be a voice for this time in this place, in this moment, and so do you. You want to be a voice. You don't want to be an echo. You don't want to just be regurgitating everything you're seeing in the culture. You want to be the voice that God has called you to be to this country, to this city, to this town, to your family, to your marriage, to your business. You have a calling from the Holy One. Amen. Number three, shut the door. As soon as I said that, I was like, shut the door, keep out the devil. It's an old song. Shut the door. Let vision help you to cut off distractions from outside of the secret place. Vision helps you to process privately because doubters don't build faith. Vision helps you do that. When you are surging after a vision, you're following a vision that God has given you, he's birthed it in you, that this is where you need to go. You are not alone. You are not alone. You are with him. And I love what the prophet says. He says, go in there, take all that stuff, go shut the door, bring your kids in. Shut the door. And while I'm on the topic of social media, maybe it's time for the body of Christ to stop processing publicly Instead, process with the body privately so that we can praise publicly.
this is what the Lord has done. I don't need to hear another deconstructing voice wimping away online talking about how the church hurt them. And neither do you. Just being real, man. Just being as honest as I can be. Gotta be transparent. Gotta be real. What they're really saying is, I'm really angry at somebody. I want to make everyone else angry with me at them. I want everyone to be offended because I'm offended. The opposite is true. I went through a hard time, but now God's given me the authority to walk in this and this and look what he's done. He's healed my heart. He's healed my body. He's healed my mind. All of a sudden, courage is going into everybody that's hearing it. And there's like a lot of deconstruction happening out there and a lot of it online. And by the way, your algorithm will feed you what you sit and listen to. So if you hear it coming on somebody's post, you need to click off of that quickly. Because you will find person after person after person to tear down the body of Christ, the great church of Jesus. But did you know that when you hear somebody speaking highly of what God is doing in his church, you'll start to get more of that. Amen. And deconstruction is kind of an interesting thing. And I was processing this with a couple pastors recently. And, and um, it's just dawned on me that Gen, Gen Z and millennials, when they deconstruct, they just quit church and quit faith. Like, I don't believe anymore. But we say that the millennials are the ones deconstructing, and I actually want to say, too, that the, the boomers and the Gen Xers are deconstructing, except they don't quit faith. They just quit church. They make excuses as to why we shouldn't be in church, why church is wherever we are. That's deconstruction. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. He's building it. Well, many people try to tear it down. I, he's still building it, though. I, I said he's still building it. <laughs> How many are thankful that he's still building his church? Come on now. Come on now. And so what do we feed? So we've got to shut the door on distractions. We've got to shut the door on the wrong voices. We've got to shut the door on doubt. Vision helps us to cut out the things in our lives that kill faith. Vision helps us to cut out the things in our life that kill faith and stop vision like comparison and doubt and critics and people's expectations. I want to talk to you for just a minute about critics or critique and criticism. There's a difference between critique and criticism. You want to know what it is? Critique is invited. Criticism is uninvited. There are people in this room who I've invited to critique my preaching. There are people in this room who I've invited to critique what we do. But there are people in this room that will come to us and criticize or come and, which, I, by the way, I should just stop that. No, we don't experience that here. I want to let you know that. We don't. We don't experience it. There are people in the world that will criticize other people. And they're not invited to do that. We've got a great culture here where we realize critique is invited, criticism is uninvited. Can I just also set you free? If somebody's been critiquing you that you didn't invite, don't listen to them. I'm going to say it again. If somebody's critiquing you that you didn't invite, don't listen to them. Set yourself free from those words. 
somebody in this room. That's a word for you today. Set yourself free from those words. Now, everyone needs to have people in their life that they're vulnerable to, that they are open with, that they trust. And by the way, that's why you need a good life-giving church to be a part of, because the body part you need that can critique you is in this house. And they'll be safe, and they'll do it in love, and they'll do it in care. Let vision help you process privately and praise publicly. Shut the door. You're not going to receive the provision of God if your door is open to a whole bunch of doubters. You're not going to break through in the provision of God if your door is open to a whole bunch of critics. So the prophet said, take your sons, go in there and shut the door. Shut the door on people's expectations. We've shared a lot of vision from this platform, but we haven't shared even a fraction of what we believe God's called us to do here. Those days will come potentially, but we don't share everything with everybody. Well, I'm just trying to be real, just trying to be true. Listen, you don't have to say everything that you know that is true to be truthful. I don't need to know what size, you know, shoes you wear. You know, I just want to let everybody know I'm really itchy today. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> Give me a hug. You know? <laughs> right? Well, I'm just trying to be truthful. Just trying to be By the way, there are people in this room that have been truthful with each other and hurt each other's feelings. It's time to forgive. Amen. I was just being true. Just being truthful. Listen, stop it. <laughs> Gain some EQ. Emotional intelligence. That's what we believe. We believe God's called us to be a church that flows in the gifts of the Spirit, flows in the anointing, has unpredictable things happen from time to time. But we also need to ask the Lord to give us an anointing for emotional intelligence, spiritual intelligence relational intelligence. Really, really great. Shut the door. Shut the door on those distractions. Get used to the new position here on the platform. Fourthly, life after breakthrough. Let vision help you to steward the provision of God. I love this. She says, it all ran out. She comes back. Prophet says, now, listen, here's what you're going to do. Sell everything you have. Sell what you need to sell so that you can pay off your debts and live off the rest. You know, when you have provision from God and it's framed in a vision, it will be looking for a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom is God's supernatural gift of wisdom on how to steward what God has provided. So there is a word of wisdom in the scripture. There's a word of wisdom being preached today for somebody. Where you need that word. And that's what he did. He gave them a word of wisdom. He said, sell what you need to sell to pay your debts and live off the rest. I had a friend who had a, was waiting on an ICBC claim for a long time. And he made like, I don't know, seventeen dollars or $20,000 in this claim back in like the 90s. just like $7 million today. And, and now you can buy three loaves of bread and a dozen eggs. Anyway, um... But I remember he was just like, when I get my settlement, when I get my settlement, when I get my settlement. And as soon as he did that, he did not have a word of wisdom from the prophet. He needed one. Because he showed up in church in an old rabbit with like really expensive things put in a really old car. Expensive wheels or something, all that stuff. And he had like Ralph Lauren ties. He was all dressed up in Ralph Lauren. You know, and, and he... It took him about how long? Maybe like one month. In one month, he had blown $20,000. Because he didn't have the wisdom of how to move forward. No stewardship. Listen, when you have a vision, you steward the provision. And here's what you need to know. Vision releases the provision and vision manages it well. 
Vision reminds you what the provision is for in the first place. And here's the big one. Provision without vision ends up right back where you started. Oh, pastor, you got to pray for me. I need to make my rent again. Didn't the Lord supply twice your rent last month supernaturally? Yeah, he did, but I went to Reno. I didn't want to miss out. I had to have some experiences. Didn't he already provide for you, but now you're back worse than you were? Am I the only one that's blown provision before? Come on, be honest with me. Open and transparent in here right now. Has anybody blown the provision of God before and wasted it and end up right back at the beginning in your prayer? Come on, somebody like, I will not put my hand up. The minute you do, you're going to be set free. You know, the, the, the Bible says to shine a light, to walk in the light as he is in the light. Walking in the light does not mean perfection. Walking in the light means we shine a light on the dumb things we do from time to time and we make sure everyone knows. Dumb thing happened over here, but I'm not ashamed. I'm a child of God. I'm moving forward. You're moving forward with me. How many love that the Lord doesn't want us to have secrets from our family of God? We don't have to hide. There's nothing too hard for God. So provision without a vision. Vision causes us to steward it well. And if you don't have that, you're going to end up right back where you started. Vision will help us to live off the rest. And as soon as I read that, like, and live off the rest, I heard the, the, the voice of God in, my, in, my, in the revelatory part of my brain that happens while I'm studying said, the rest, Brandon, my rest, my rest, my rest. So I said, give me an acronym. Realize everything starts with trust. Rest. When I realize everything starts with trusting God, R-E-S-T, I fully realize that everything starts with trust that I've been designed by God to do good works, which he's called and set aside before time. And when I get a hold of the prophetic vision for my life, then the capacity will be in place to receive the provision for the vision. If your vision is just paying the bills, you are not dreaming big enough. And if your vision is just making it through, that's too easy. Vision understands, put this up for me, that God is not just meeting your need from the past. He is establishing momentum for your future. You might think he's just paying your bill that you needed to get paid. He's setting you up to step into the vision that he's called you to. And next week, we're going to be talking about let vision create the momentum. Vision sets the direction. I want everyone to go write something down for their house this year. A word from the Lord. Something over your house, a word over your home, a, a prayer for a family member, a belief for a healing, something. Get a vision from God. I want everyone to write that vision and start letting that help you make decisions. Somebody asked me if I was ever going to write a book. I said, I'm going to read a lot first. Because that was part of the vision. Why should I write if I don't read? Right? So part of my 52 book a year challenge, which has failed this year for the first time in four or five years, part of that was a strategy, was to curate and to create capacity. It's a word from the Lord for you. Just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> to create capacity. Amen.
Amen. Listen, if you're in this place, I want to ask you, does what you believe about God give you peace with your past, power in your present, to live your best life? Does that belief prepare you for your passing? I want you to know today that Jesus checks every one of these boxes. Is there anyone here who's had Jesus check those boxes for you? And he gave his life as a sacrifice so that you could hit the reset and restart your life by being born again. Born again. Not just adding Christianity, but being fully born again. He doesn't just offer peace with your past. He wants to give you power over your past. He wants you to embrace a powerful present, a purposeful present, and reveal his plan for a powerful future. But I think it's time for someone here to realize that that something you think you're missing is actually a someone. And before we have provision of anything that we need naturally in this world, we need to have the provision of salvation in our life. That something is actually someone, and, and his name is Jesus, and nothing will fill that missing piece except for him. But there's a problem. There's a wall between us called sin. It's, just, it's this huge blockage. And it separates us from God. That's the problem. But the good news is that the initiating love of God sent Jesus to the world to live a sinless life and to die on the cross and to pay the penalty of our sin and to rise again. And if we would call upon the name of the Lord, we would be saved. So before we wrap up this message today, I want to also pray with everyone here that would say, today's my day to be saved. And if you would pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart, I want to let you know God will hear you. And Christ will come and live inside of you. So with every eye closed, would you pray this prayer with me? Maybe repeat it after me, even those who have prayed this before. God, I'm sorry for my sin. I've broken your commandments. And I've fallen short of your standards. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross in my place and raising him again from the dead. I turn from that sin and I ask you to come into my life. Be my Savior and my Lord. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, would you please come and see the office and say, hey, can I get a Bible? Can I get a problem? some help? Fill out that card in your seat room. Let us know you made that decision to follow Jesus today. So, bless you. You came into this place thinking you really had a need for provision. And I just want to back it up a bit and say, actually, what you really need is a vision. Amen. Amen. If you would like to receive prayer today, this area over here, just come on up. Bless you. Go find your kids. Have a good week. We'll see you back here Thursday for Kids Club opening. Amen. Have a